On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, Eddie White helps review opening night for the Pacers. We talk the impact of fans and discuss renovations to the Fieldhouse and why his Pacers postgame show has become a hit. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Well, Game 1 is in the books, and it is a memorable one for several reasons, mostly because the Pacers were in full control, up by 23 points. They had led the entire game until middle of the third quarter when they completely fell apart. They allowed the Hornets then to score 24 unanswered. There's going to be runs. That happens in every single game, but usually you can cut it off at about 12, 14 max. No, this went twice that 24 unanswered by the Hornets. Rick Carlisle used one timeout. He was a little short on timeouts for uh, a few reasons and kind of let him play through it. And ultimately, it was just an awful stretch featuring a dozen missed shots. And they were settling and little ball movement. And then it impacted them at the other end and poor defense. And on top of that, it didn't help that Lomelo ball got hot. The Hornets picked it up a little bit. Still, though, the Pacers were able to recover. They even had a chance to win it. With four seconds left, they even ran a familiar play, and it didn't work. Getting it to Domas on the left arc, he dribbled it a couple times, spun, and couldn't break free of P.J. Washington, put up what turned out to be a bad look at it. And so, nope, no perfect record here for the Pacers. But there were some encouraging signs, and being just game one, and the fact that this Pacers team really is not at full health, they barely got a lot of time together during the preseason. Some of that is understandable. That lapse, though, no, 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 that's inexcusable. But still, they played well in that first half. I'm looking at the box score, 75 points, 21 assists on 25 field goals. They held the Hornets to 43% shooting while shooting better than 50% themselves. They did turn it over, and they were not getting out on the run like they traditionally did. They were second in fast break points per game last year. Not good in that category in this one, but that was a very solid first half of basketball. It was impressive to start out. Individually, Chris Duarte was special. He became the first Pacers rookie to start in his first game in 20 years since Jamal Tinsley, who I call the last true point guard that's been on this Pacers roster, and that's a whole different conversation. But then Duarte set the franchise record for points, and he did so easily by 10 points with 27 on the night. How about that? I couldn't think of a rookie that had made this big of impact in a, at least a couple decades for the Pacers. The one name everybody brings out is Paul George, but remember his rookie season? How afterward he tweeted what was most memorable about it, and that was Jim O'Brien getting fired. That was his highlight, and that's because he was a competitive group, and he had trouble getting out on the floor initially, and he wasn't as talented as Duarte at the beginning. He was also much younger, just a couple years into college, where Duarte is 24 years old and playing more like a veteran already. And so far, from what I've seen in, in summer league and training camp and now the preseason and regular season, the, my biggest takeaway so far is just how much is the moment doesn't face him. He doesn't look nervous or uncomfortable or um, just unaware of his surroundings. He's in control. He is very confident, and the thing he keeps repeating is he knows what the team wants for him to do, that he's a shooter, he's going to shoot, and yes, he did. 
They empower him to do that, and he made six of his nine three-pointers, and that was a missing dimension for this Pacers group. Yeah, they lost Doug McDermott, but even he wasn't shooting at this clip, and it wasn't just this preseason game. This is what I see in practice with him working afterward with Jenny Busick and other coaches on you know playing through contact, on hitting game winners, on just knocking down three-pointers and ringing that bell, as I've documented on fieldhousefiles.com. This is who he is, and I, I think this is not atypical for him. It's going to be the norm. There was that ugly quarter, but it was game one, and Duarte was a stud. And also, Sabonis picked up where he left off as a double-double guy, and he continues to pile up numbers against the Hornets. He probably wishes that he could play them against them in every single game. All right, now looking ahead to the weekend, the Pacers get a return home after a Friday night game in D.C. It's a primetime game Saturday evening against the Miami Heat. But no, I'll stop you there. Victor will not be playing. He signed a minimum deal but is still rehabbing from a second quad tendon surgery. But the place should be electric. At least I hope so because for the first time since the pandemic, the place can be filled. I don't know if it will be a sellout. Doubt it, the fact that they're pushing tickets at $9 each. But and, and really, IU hosting Ohio State in primetime doesn't help either. But let's take into the fact the moment. Their last sellout, if they do indeed sell it out, was 624 days ago. It was the February before the pandemic. And as I reported a couple weeks ago on FieldhouseFiles.com, it'll be a gold out. The team will be in gold. They'll be giving away T-shirts to every fan in the stands. The first time in 917 days. Now, The theme is questionable in this market. It continues to be going all in on gold, gold gold-blooded, 24-carat. Quite honestly, I had to text a team employee because it looked like 24th on the shirt. No, I realize that's 24-carat. I digress, though. Nonetheless, it should be rocking at the field house. Take some time. Get there early if you're planning to go to the game. Walk around. Explore. Check out the new video board. See the new food offerings. Drop by one of the two new grab-and-go stations where you can... Get water, beer, a Coke, some candy. That's basically it. There's no hot dogs, pizza, hot items there, but you can scan in. I'd do Apple Pay. You could do a credit card, grab it, and leave. Much like you see with Amazon, this is zipping is the technology. But nonetheless, I think a, a forward-thinking concept that you're going to see elsewhere. Are you subscribed to FieldhouseFiles.com yet? If not, here is your best deal. I'm giving listeners, and listeners only, 25% off. That's $37.50 a year, $375 a month. I mean, you can't go to Starbucks or your local coffee shop, which I try to do as much as I can, for that monthly price. But you have to use this special link. Go to fieldhousefiles.substack slash Podcast. That's all lowercase, by the way. fieldhousefiles.substack forward slash Podcast, all lowercase, to get 25% off for the next 12 months, and I encourage you to join the community and get my daily coverage right there. Now, let's get into my conversation with Eddie White. All right, for the first time this season, Eddie White, the host of the world's greatest postgame show, joins the podcast here. Eddie, it was good to see you here this past week for a number of things, but now we finally have basketball to talk about again. And while it was a disappointing performance, mainly because of that third quarter recording this after opening night, one, it's good just to have the group back together again and, and see what Rick Carlisle and his staff can do uh, with this new group. Oh, absolutely, Scott. I mean, I think everybody was, you know, I think disalarmed 
but the way you know the twenty four to zero run and I think the the one that merged the second and third was a forty five fourteen I mean you don't want to see that, but uh you saw enough positives I think i mean and again yeah. I joke in this thing, but the Pacers won three of the four quarters i mean they won the first, they won the second, they won the fourth, they just had that miserable third quarter, and again, you're playing without two starters, but you, you kind of want to see okay, is domos. Two-time All-Star. Is he? Is he? What are we going? Is he going to? Are we going to see more of the same, or maybe a little bit better? I think we saw a little bit better. Uh, Christopher Duarte. I mean, as good as advertised. I mean, you've written about it. It's been talked about a million times. Yeah. A more older rookie than we're used to seeing. So maybe people expect more out of him. Well, did we expect him one? To start, you know, uh, because of injuries, he did the first since what Tinsley, you know, won, and then to not only break but shatter Chuck Person's record for most points by a rookie in their first Pacers game. Uh, just to think what he can grow into, what he could be, and when you get a healthy Levert, I think the Pacers and, and T.J. Warren comes back. I think the Pacers can be, as we discussed, a, a pretty competitive team uh, in the Eastern Conference. But the, the, the biggest thing last night that I got out of it, and I think it makes me get energized for Saturday night, is. Last night we saw the value of fans in the stands. Mm -hmm. If that game was played in a bubble or that game was played last year when they had maybe 2,500 or 3,000 in that building, I don't think they had that third quarter run like they did. That's why the magic that we missed last year in Bankers Life, or Bowl Bankers Life, now Gainbridge, uh, where the Pacers had that remarkable stretch. I think it was 31 seasons in a row, I think, yep. with a winning record at home, second all-time, and, and that got broken miserably last year. Well, if we have fans in the stands, we would have had a winning record at home last year. Shoot, I think we had the second-best road record in the Eastern Conference last year, um, and I think Saturday night, that's why it's going to be so cool to get back in that building where you've seen a million games, you've seen packed fever games, you've seen packed pacer games. We know what it's like to feel that magic. Yeah. And to have it Saturday night with all those people back in the building, uh, it's going to be really magical. And it's something that all of us, I mean, you guys missed, we missed working for the team. We missed having those people in the building. And I, I just can't wait for Saturday. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and you talk about that run and, and – what the Hornets were able to do, that's such a great point because of the fans. You could sense the building came to life for the first time, really. Before that, they were there, but not really making a big difference. And then a number of factors obviously happened. All that Pacers rushed their offense. We're not getting on the interior. We're turning it over six times, and, and, and that was tough. But generally speaking, yeah, you have to take a positive, I think, about the early going and mainly what they saw from Chris Duarte because to knock down six threes, for him to be – under control, poised, and, and the moment not getting too big from him was impressive to me, Eddie. And, and part of it's because we haven't seen this here in Indy. Pacers are never bad enough where they're really drafting this high and getting a, a lottery pick, just the second one since Paul George in 2010. But I couldn't go back I, off the top of my head. Even Paul George had just kind of a lackluster rookie season. He had to learn to play defense to get on the floor, and, and Duarte played 33 minutes in his first game. You're there every day. You're at practice every day. You talk to the coaches. You talk to the players. You get a sense. You've heard it with their words, especially mm -hmm. Malcolm Brogdon. This kid is different. And, and we may easily chalk it up to the fact that he's 24 and he's married, has a kid, has a kid on the way, and he is obviously uh, older than most rookies have come <laughs> in the last 10 years or so. Maybe that. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe it is. Maybe maturity. We all get better with maturity. But uh, you're right. There's something to that kid that is really special that I think Pacer fans are going to love to watch as he develops the, their initial 
this year and then, of course, with, with years to come. But back to the crowd thing, I, I don't want to be a, a dead horse here, but LaMelo Ball, listen, you were, you, were, you were on those Fever staffs when the Fever won the championship and when they had really good teams. There were certain players, when it was like a Tully Bevelock or even a Brian January, or we've seen it with the Pacers, there's certain players who get energized by the crowd. LaMelo Ball, his personality, his body language, he gets, it's almost like Superman when, he, when he, you know, he's stepping out of the, uh, the phone booth. They don't make phone booths anymore, but Superman <laughs> used to go into a phone booth yeah. and change, you know, take the glasses and the suit off. Uh, there's something to have in that home crowd, that energy. And I know people will be cynical and say, well, they're professionals. Da, 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 da. Listen, they're human beings. We all we all function better when we feel support, you know, especially in sports, professional sports, when that, when that Lucas Oil Stadium is rocking, when the old Hoosier Dome used to rock, when MSA used to literally move, uh, and now when, ba- when Banker's Life and now Gamebridge Fieldhouse is just energized with people, guys step it up. I mean, the, the, the notch just goes up and up and up. And I think LaMelo Ball is one of those type players. And uh, I think you saw it last night, the value of having a, uh, of, of a, a fan base and a, a large number of fans in that room. Charlotte's going to be a fun team if they're healthy, with Gordon, with LaMelo Ball, um, and, and other players. So that's going to be a, a fun team to watch on League Pass and such, and they're going to get national attention. Let's keep it back here in Indianapolis and, and talk about Gamebridge Fieldhouse and so many of the changes. Two two parts of three now completed, and what fans, if they were able to be at the Fieldhouse last season, will notice now is an, a much uh, renovated entry pavilion uh main concourses, um, concessions, and especially then on the club level. They got their new seats and new, new lounge boxes and such like that. It's I've been really impressed, Eddie, with the way in which they've been able to update and renovate the building while also still being able to put on events and, and get it all done and space it out over these three years. You'd like it all done in one summer, of course, but it's not that easy for a building that's 20 years old and now feels almost brand new. I need to point out to your listeners that uh, listening to what you just said, Scott's not a homer. Scott is a neutral professional reporter. When he says something's good, it's probably good. When he says something's not so good, it's probably not so good. And it was good to hear you say that. And I would tell them to go to Scott's social media uh, forums because that deal that you did showing the the, 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 the stop and go, what do they call it? The the zip, yeah, the zip the and grab and go. The grab and go. Grab and go, grab and go. My, I'm saying stop and go. I used to go to stop and go. I was a little <laughs> kid for hamburgers. The grab and go where you literally can go in and grab a snack, grab a beer, grab a bottle of water, thing of chips, and not talk to anybody, not see anybody, not wait in line and be out in 45 seconds and back to your seat. It's just one of the many offerings. Of course, they've added all kinds of new food offerings to people. And I think the one thing people have to get used to is, you know, it used to be you walked in here at 5 to 7, walked in, sat down, watched the game. You know what? Come early. Come early, see the new place, and you're going to see it's not just the old days if you get a hot dog and a popcorn. You still can do that, but now if you want, you know, good fresh pizza uh, pizza dough made that day. Um, the minority chef program, we're going to bring in local restaurants Absolutely, and make them yeah. available. And just the easiness, the access to get it and get back to your seat is phenomenal. And then you're going to see these open spots in the stadium. We're like, wait a minute, am I in the right place? This doesn't look like uh, the, the old uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse because it's not. It's the new Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And, you know, we always say, you know, we, uh, somehow they made the, the best building in the world better. Uh, and it is the, the phase two is wrapping up. The entry pavilion is still under construction because that phase three is going to come and be finished in a year or so. Uh, 
so there are some things that you want to maneuver your way through. So come early, check the place out, check out the food, and it's all made to, you know, as the world has changed, the old days of just showing up at the fairgrounds or showing up at MSA and you sit in your seat the whole game, you watch the game and you go home, it's changed. The, the consumer has changed. The customer has changed. The world has changed. The game has changed. And I think Banker's Life uh, is trying to stay at the top where it is, ranked among all arenas in the country, uh, has to change with it. And um, it, it worked out. It, you know, the pandemic, of course, was just a tragedy for so many and for all of us. Uh, but the but the window of being able to get some things done a little bit earlier worked to our advantage to some crazy way. <laughs> and uh, I, I just can't wait for a lot of people to experience. You've been there the last couple of times. We've had some media offerings where people can kind of get a look for it and, and check it out and see what the clubs are like, see what the, the, the operations are like, really. And to see to, to think that, that Saturday night, uh, Pacer Nation will be able to come in there and check it out. And uh, I love the fact, and I give our marketing people credit, I love the fact that for years and years and years, we're all programmed here that we know we get through this long, cold winter, and then the sun starts to ground, starts to get warm, and we know it's the postseason, and we'd have, you know, pacers and racers, and the pacers would always have, like, a gold out. And the gold outs were just spectacular. And now, because we haven't seen people in, like, almost 600 days, uh, to have the gold out Saturday night, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool. It's almost like the Pacers way of saying, hey, you know what? We missed you guys, and we value you guys, and we're glad you're here. And guess what? Here's a gold T-shirt. You don't have to wait to the end of the year. And then they had that deal. It's got uh, tickets as low as 9 bucks. Remember, I used to work at Logo 7, Logo Athletic on the east side of Indianapolis. You can't buy a T-shirt for $9. <laughs> now you can come and see Christopher Duarte and everybody else on Saturday night and get the gold T-shirt as low as nine dollars so anybody listen to you and me they want to check it out hey pacers.com go and get all the information because you know me i i, I forget half the stuff i'm talking about. <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about but go to pacers.com and all the infos on there yeah nine dollars that's a deal right there for sure but fir- first gold first gold out in 917 days i've been a little i don't know if it's nostalgic or like trying to capture just what everything has been like for the last two or three years. So I keep doing days. Like, first time we're at the practice facility in 500 and I think it was 50-some days. 917 mm-hmm. days, Eddie, since that place has been rocking full of those those gold shir- shirts like you were talking about. And I think the biggest change is the video board. That's one thing that was um, elevated, was able to be put up there a year earlier last season because of the pandemic, so that was a positive. And the thing's just enormous, it's incredible, and it's best now for those in the lower level, meaning um, updated, because now you can look up, and while it's a little high to to look at the main screen, there's a beautiful kind of ribbon video board underneath with stats and video as well that I think a lot of the high-priced people and high-priced seats are really going to come to appreciate. Well, that's a great point. I mean, it, it was in last year, but not many people saw it, you know. So, so many of those first games were family and friends, and then there was like you know, five thousand or less, basically. End, but, you know, you had two thousand people, three thousand people, and now Saturday night, you know, people have not seen a game, you know, since that Boston game way back in in March of, of twenty, uh, are going to walk in and go, wait a minute, 
we're, first of all, they're going to see the building yep. and see the construction, see everything going on, and go, holy mackerel. And then they're going to walk in, see the seats, see everything else. And once they're, if they're not blown away by all that, they're going to get to their seat and look up and go, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't remember that thing. It's like the Titanic sitting there hovering above the court. I mean, it's, it, you said, it's humongous. It's almost as big as the world's greatest flagpole down in Bloomington, your alma mater. But it's huge, <laughs> man. It's shot. huge. And it, it, it's a, just another thing for people to check out when they come in on Saturday night. Yeah, and the entry pavilion being totally gutted and, and remade. That's going to be impressive here in another year. Right now, there it's still a, a work in progress. This practice court's kind of updated, all that stuff that I don't know if people will be able to see. But, yeah, I love it. My only critique is I miss the green seats, but I'm a little biased because that's what it was, and I hate change a little bit. I do miss um, the green seats there. That's why you'll have a heart attack if IU ever gets rid of the uh, candy stripes. You'll, you'll lose your mind. <laughs> yep, you stay with tradition, Eddie. You know that. And you can create I'm some new you. ones as well, though. And that's in part yes, of what, exactly. what they're and, doing. And the one important thing we should mention is that people are used to parking in the garage and walking on that the, uh, the walkway over. The walkway is, is, is off limits. It's under construction. So uh, all fans entering, and they got extra entrances open on both the east side and the west side on Pennsylvania and Delaware. So all entry to the building is coming on the street level. So anybody that, you know, if you haven't been downtown in a year or so and you think that's kind of normal, that's a little bit of a change. You can still park in the garage, but go down to the street level, across the street, and come in. And, of course, if you're coming in over off Pennsylvania, that's uh, almost uh, business as usual. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, that's important. And also, I, I saw they put out a white tent out front. So if there's a need, if there's rain or, or snow, I assume that helps fans out while they go through the magtrometers and everything. And uh, masks are, I would bring one. They're optional. Do whatever you feel comfortable with, I think, is kind of what they're doing. If you have the super close seats, you'll probably want to keep wearing that. But the place is incredible. If if I was a fan in this situation, Eddie, I think I would get there when doors open, more than an hour, an hour before the game, and just walk around and explore. I know it sounds kind of childish in some ways, but it's spectacular. And you want to go around and see all the new amenities and offerings, like the grab-and-go. Um, a couple bar areas. Uh, I think the Yingling flight deck, almost done. Going to be done here by mid-December, actually, I should say. Um, but most of it is complete and ready to go here for a new season, right? Doors are going to open 90 minutes, I believe, uh on Saturday night, so you're right. If people take your uh, advice and come in early, uh, I think it'd be a smart thing to do. One thing I want to highlight here, because you're intimately involved with the franchise in a number of ways, but vocally, that's after every single Pacer game, and that's on 107.5 The Fan, hosting the world's greatest post-game show. It's been remarkable. I feel like you're on like year eight at this point. It keeps going, and I think it's a, an important offering for Pacer fans, both of whom of, of leaving the game and wants something to listen to, you'd bring up IU, nothing better than turning on fish on your way home. Same thing with you, I think, for Pacers leaving the game, or if you're unable to check it out or unable to watch games, you provide a recap, you have some fun with it, you bring on Boyle to talk hoops and sometimes not. And I think you just have fun with it, and that's needed more in sports, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that, and i, I got to give a lot of credit to Rick Fusen, the, 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 the president of Pacers Sports Entertainment, uh, it was his idea. I mean, he knew me. He knew me when I worked at Logo 7, Logo Athletic, and he knew I was an old PR guy with the Dolphins and Notre Dame. And, of course, he, he knew me from when I had that, that show with Kravitz. And, he, you know, at that time when I got here, Pacers had not had a postgame show for uh, a couple of years, I think it was. 
And he said, hey, would, would you be interested in doing it? And I said, yeah, you know me, I'll do anything to help the franchise. I said, but you know me, it's going to be different. I mean, I view things differently just based on all the crazy places I've worked and where, where my mind comes from. And I said, you know, a lot of times post-game shows you know, around the country are, you know, they're just regurgitating statistics. And, and, they're, and I don't want to say they're boring, but they're kind of like cookie cutter. And I said, I want it to be different, and I'm, and it's going to be organic. You yeah. know, one of our favorite words, organic. <laughs> and I said, we'll, we'll yeah. just, I have a vision, but I'm not quite sure how we're going to get there. And it just grew. And the thing with Mark Boyle, it, what happens there is, you know, Mark does the whole, he does the pregame, he does the game, and, and then he does his postgame. And in his last segment is, he used to just say, okay, when you come back, it's going to be the, the Pacers overtime. And then one time, I don't know how it's been, maybe six years ago, uh, he brought me on. And we started talking, and then we did it again, and we did it again. And it's now become a quote-unquote thing that I, I, I cannot tell you I, that how many people come up to me in a game or if I'm like in a golf tournament representing the patient and go, I love when you and Mark just talk about nothing. It's almost like a Seinfeldian type situation where you know, we talk initially about the game. I mean, my God, there's 80-some games. So, I mean, you know, you, you go nuts if that's all we talk about. We talked about the, that game that night, what I like, what he liked, what we didn't like. And, and he's like you. He's black and white. He doesn't, he's, there's no Pollyanna. There's no malarkey with him. And then, you know, depending on something that happened that night or something that I saw somebody at the game, or I'll bring up something, and then he'll make a quirky comment. And the next thing, you know, we're talking about, you know, what the shepherds and the kings should have given the baby Jesus at Christmas <laughs> instead of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm like, give him a blanket. I mean, the kings are wearing all these garb. The kid's freezing to death. He's in these swaddling clothes. Give him a blanket, uh, you know, for his sake. Uh, and, 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 and that's the crazy, eclectic stuff we get into, and people love it. And so we do hit we do hit the game. We do talk about the crazy stuff. And then once he says goodbye, then yes, we we, we have four or five segments. Kristen Airy always joins us to give his take on it. But I do think of the guy or the lady that just landed at the airport or just got out of work and checked the score and saw that the Pacers lost by a point or they won by ten and they don't know what happened. I will give them a breakdown quarter by quarter of what actually happened, whether, oh, Domas had 13 in the second quarter, Pacers shot 67%, we out-rebound him 14-2, to two. what a second quarter, bada-bing, bada-boom. And I'll, I'll go through quarter by quarter, if there's an overtime or whatever, and then we will give them the stats. So they do get the basketball talk, but we also try to make it, lively and fun and as i've told you many times you know we do call ourselves the world's greatest post-game show you know from bangladesh to beach grove we're number one but i do the people say well, how can you say no that? arguments said, well we do have a factoid uh not fake news a factoid that is absolutely true of all the post-game shows that have ever been done in this country on the four major sports, whether it's the Philadelphia Flyers or the Cleveland Indians or the Utah Jazz or the L.A. Kings or Dodgers, none of those teams have ever had two head coaches of their big four sports in those markets call into the postgame show, call in on the same night. And we did that years ago. We had uh, Frankie Vogel, who was a Pacers coach at that time, and we had Chuck Pagano, who was the Colts coach at that time, both call in to the post-game show. No other show has said that, can say that, but ours. So until that, uh, somebody matches that, I'm going to call us the world's greatest post-game show. But I give all the credit to Rick Fusen for having the, the mindset to say, hey, we're going to take this lunatic, we're going to put him on after our games and see what happens. Because my thing is, 
I can't affect the ball game. And if I can make that guy or that lady that's in the car after a tough loss at home, driving home, they're upset that we got beat in the last second shot, and they walk into the house and the kids say, hey, Pacers lost, what happened? Like, yeah, they lost. But Eddie White and Mark Boyle were just talking about mm-hmm. what the baby Jesus should have been given as gifts by the shepherds, and they start laughing. You know what? I did my job. And you know what? I still remember that advice all the way back Let's, let's say a dozen years ago when the great Kravitz yeah, and Eddie yeah. was going on. I remember walking with you on the circle and you go, the th- number one thing I try to do is leave people with factoid, with something interesting and a smile for them to drive around this city when they're listening to us. So that's exactly what you just preached to to everybody here right there. And I love it. Uh, I, I, I don't know where I came because remember my, my expertise, the way I was trained was all in sports PR. I was trained by the greatest sports information director of all time, Roger Valdeseri, yeah. up at Notre Dame and did to work for the Dolphins. I've been blessed to work at some great, great places. And uh, I just have a, and I'm not a radio guy. My voice is horrible. Uh, but I think my mind is, is, is demented enough that it can be fairly entertaining for some people. The energy, the insight, and the context. Yeah. That's your yep. bread and butter right there. Nope. That's we try to do it yep. for sure. Yes, I because you always taught me this as well. Leave people with a factoid, right? Here's one for you. Opening night will be special for somebody inside Gainbridge Fieldhouse. It's your boy Herbie Simon's birthday. He has his team. He could have up to full capacity, and he'll be celebrating his birthday opening night on Saturday. There you go. That is awesome. That's a great note. That's a great way to leave it. I love it. Eddie, appreciate the time. Look forward to listening when I can, maybe in between Zoom sessions for road games or something for me uh, here this upcoming season. But Pacer fans can catch you on uh, 107.5 and such uh, all throughout the year. Thanks for everything. Appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you. And if Pacer fans want to know what's going on with the Pacers, they need to be following you because you cover the team very, very well, my friend. Proud of you. That means a lot. Thanks, Eddie. All right, man.